The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's the new week going for you? First week of the year for you, too. Well, it's the 10th, so is that the first week? That should be the second week. Well, well, I, I just woke up to the news that Carlos Correa is now signed back with Minnesota for only six years for $200 million. What the hell? And it's pending, all... pending, pending a physical that he's failed twice already. And it's also an injury that isn't a current injury. It was an injury he suffered in the minor leagues with his leg that is bringing concern, not necessarily for the next couple years, but for an extended contract past six years. So, so what I don't understand is the Mets were going to do 13 years or 12 years. First right. one was 13 by San Francisco. The Mets right. said, you know what? We're going to strong arm you a little bit. We're going to go to 12 years. And now Minnesota's down to six years. Like, well, why wouldn't the Mets have given him six years? I don't know. At this rate, though, you know, you're going to have him at uh, the Mecca. For <laughs> He'll be taking uh, 100 and bucks for a booking. And then he's going to hurt his leg walking to the ring like Vince McMahon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're coming into uh, this Friday, the 13th, uh, the New Year's resolution uh, at the FSW Arena, 7 p.m. show. Uh, catch it on the FSW network if you can't make it down to the arena. Tickets are available. Uh, as we head into it, tell us a little bit about your anticipation for finally getting to see what Jordan Oasis can do against Matt Vandergriff after this kind of you know lengthy buildup, a little bit of buildup. There's been some some tension there's been some you know interaction of course in the ring but well, they now did have, they did have a match a while back right but it was a while back and i think that jordan has kind of stepped his game up in that time frame and i'm very interested to see <laughs> the difference between jordan oasis then and him now well you know it's about getting opportunity and i i know he was you know, frustrated, not feeling that he was getting opportunities. And, and again, yeah, that no limits division is, is solid as can be. You know, Danny Limelight stepped back in. He's he's a number one contender uh, with death proof breaking up a while back. Jacob Austin Young has solidified himself. You got Cody and, you know, Damian Drake's after the Nevada State. But he, he's a no limits type guy. Uh, if the Suavecitos or Sky High do singles, they're, uh, you know, no limits guys. So, you know, Matt Vandergriff, of course, you know, who's the champ who, who, who's who been, you know, as strong as strong can be. 
So, you know, and then you got the new blood, like a Primo Henio and, yeah. you know, Jordan Cruz trying to establish himself. Uh, Bodie, uh, Angel Celestial, who's come out of nowhere. So it's really easy to get lost in the shuffle, and it's not that easy to get that opportunity to become a champion. You know, Nick Xander is a guy who probably would love a shot, but he's a little busy, you know, at at this moment. So this is Jordan Oasis's opportunity to, to, as they say, uh, upset the apple cart because Danny Limelight has got the title shot at no escape. So if Jordan Oasis loses – He's he's got to go, you know, start at zero again. I think if Matt Vandegrift loses, then that no limits match might become a triple threat match because sure. as solid as Vandegrift, as great as Matt Vandegrift has been, I think if they do a match at no escape, either way, he, he should be in it. Sure. Sure. And obviously, you know, we've seen within the past year or so, you know, Matt has not only proved that he deserves that, but he's held the title for, you know, X amount of time over this past year uh, plus. So, you know, I, I think that that's when you, you talk about earned opportunities, um, you know, being in comparison of, of what Jordan's doing in finding that opportunity. Matt has sustained that, you know, uh, visibility and that title for long enough that um and it, let's face it Matt Vandergriff is very well close to being at the point where the guy can contend for the championship because he had a damn good match with Hammerstone as well well yeah there, there's no doubt about it you know Matt Vandergriff Gregory Sharp there's so many yeah. people that are at the top of their game. Danny Limelight, he's at the top of his game. You know, he won the United Championship. You know, he's a guy who's made waves in MLW. He quickly got there and became a tag team champion. Yeah. And, you know, he he got an opportunity to wrestle Kenny Omega in AEW. That, that, that isn't just handed to a guy who's uncontracted unless they like you. So... Yeah. You know, and and it wasn't one of those you know forty five second squash matches. Right. You know, Kenny Omega is going to have a match, and, and Limelight had an opportunity to do good things in it. So you know, again, as I say, there there's so much talent that you know we didn't need to, but we stacked the card for Friday the thirteenth. The heavyweight mm-hmm. champion is going to be there. Uh, the Tag team champions will be there. The Nevada State champion is going to be there. Maserati's going to be there. So, you know, obviously Matt Vandegrift's defending the No Limits title. So, you know, it, it's a stacked card. You know, you got Jacob Austin Young back, Remy Marcel, Cutthroat Cody. You know, we got some of the Young Blood like uh koa and 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 blair brody and devin reno and and clutches is on the show and that the card is so solid that sky high is working a pre-show match so it's you know pretty good to have that talent but it also becomes difficult because people 
are vying for spots and and sometimes those spots just aren't available you know the faction will be in action ice williams so you know when you take our top 20 you know probably 15 of the top 20 maybe more is on on the show yeah yeah that's uh it's great to being a you know uh, a show that's uh, what about two weeks before uh, No Escape. So, you know, that's it's a wonderful uh, anticipation in seeing, you know, what guys like Hammerstone is going to have to say or do uh, when a guy like Ice is in the house. And I think that, you know, that's going to be fun to see what kind of buildup is going to happen because. You know, there's there's a lot of heat going on right now, and, and things are getting kind of intense. Um, you know, Maserati's going against Alice Blair, correct? That is correct. And that's a warm up match essentially for her, um, and that could be kind of a trap because Alice, there's a lot she can prove in that match, and then Maserati has to go then to No Escape and take on Viva Van who, you know, Viva Van just got an opportunity uh, to wrestle this coming Monday on Dark against the ROH Women's Champion, uh, you know, the former Ember Moon. Um, you know, that just shows you, like you said, so much talent that will the focus be there for, you know, some of these people? Does Viva Van lose some focus because she's going against, you know, people who are champions on national TV. Does Maserati lose her focus because she looks at someone like Alice Blair? It's just kind of like, a, yeah, you know, it's just kind of going through the motions match. until well, yeah, I get And she, and she probably beat her before when, yeah. you know, a year or two ago. And obviously the improvement is from Alice Blair is, is tenfold. So yeah. do you, look back and say, oh, yeah, I beat her a year or two ago. Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't that difficult. Why should it be now? So a lot of times people do. You know, it, it, you see it in, in college football. They, they use that all the time that, oh, Alabama and Georgia are playing next week, and then all of a sudden they both struggle to beat the, you know, the bottom-tier talent, uh, the team – uh, that they're 49 point favorites for against yeah. and they and, and they win by 10 late in the game right. you know because they, they yeah we don't need to worry about them we need to worry about that game and yeah. lose focus yeah um speaking of college football did you uh, bet the uh, championship game yeah unfortunately i teased it so i didn't need to i i i love the game over it was 61 and a half. I actually yeah. bet a parlay and I bought points and made it 68. That's how confident oh. I was, which I didn't think TCU would only score seven points. So if you told me TCU scored seven points and I got over 68, I was pretty certain that there was no chance for me to uh, win because Georgia would have had to score 62 points. And thankfully they scored at the end and it got to 72. Plus, Georgia was a 13-point favorite, so in my teaser, all I had to do was have Georgia win, and I was extremely confident, at least, that they would win the game, So, yeah. which they did. And it was, it, it, it was an outright 
killing. So, you know, and that's what happens sometimes, you know, and in a couple of years or next year, whichever it is, they're going to go to 12 teams. And, yeah. you know, I feel bad for that 12th ranked team. That's probably going to be nine and three, eight and four going against the number one team. And they're probably going to be 35 point favorites. That's the problem between college football and pro football. You know, right. pro football's set for anybody can beat anybody. And in college, you know, the SEC, you know, without, you know, whether they're being bought or whatever it is, you know, Alabama and Georgia are always getting the best talent. So do, do you think uh, psychologically for the college players, and, and this is a fascinating thing if they do expand it to that level, do you think that the college, you know, like you were describing, that 9-3 and three team, they're going against the big dog. They lose big, but the money that's coming in to that athletic program from that game benefits them highly. But at the same time, you've just taken these athletes and had them get embarrassed. It, it, is it kind of a conflict between the money that the school gets and the embarrassment that the players get? No, because generally the 12th ranked team is going to be in a decent bowl game that anybody who's got a chance to be a pro is not going to play. They're going to sit the game out. Nobody comes to watch the game because it has no meaning whatsoever. The ratings are crap. It's shocking that the Pac-10 actually allowed USC to lose the game. There was so much money riding on it. It's like, hey, Utah, good year, but we need to get that Pac-10 team into the playoffs. Yeah. And – you know, it's kind of like in the pros, Houston Texans. They fired their coach. I can't believe it. They fired him after one year. I don't think they fired him because he lost too much. I think they fired him because the idiot won the last game of the year and gave up their first draft pick, which could set you back because you could package those first, you know, that first pick for a lot. And that's what yeah. put San Diego on the map years ago with Drew Brees drafting him later and trading off. I think it was Eli Manning or whatever. Yeah, But, you know, the thing is, how do you not get your team in? It's like Utah's not going to get in if they win. USC right. is sitting pretty. All they got to do is win the game. They win the game and they're in. And right. they lose the game. Like, how do you not? Well, it, it doesn't even have to be the fix between Utah and USC. It's the fix with the officials and you say, Hey, you know what? Maybe there's that holding penalty on that long run because you can kind of call holding on, on, on every play. And you know, I, I I don't get it. You know, I guess it's the cynic in me, the wrestling fan in me, you know, you're you're supposedly going to do what's best for business. Like generally in the pros in a situation like that, when the games are meaningless, the coaches are going to sit their players. So why does Houston not play their third stringer just like the commanders did? We want to see what we got in them because that game is meaningless to us. 
Right. You know, you, you can get away with playing the practice squad quarterback. The Giants did it. And it was right. a game that was important, even though Dallas got killed, but it ended up being San Francisco would have got the number one seed if Philadelphia would have lost to the Giants, but the Giants didn't play their guys. Yeah. And they sat half their team. So, you know, it, it, they ended up only losing by six, but they were down like 19 to nothing or whatever it was, right. 16 to nothing at half. But you have to do what's best for your team. And in, what was best for the Houston Texans is to have the number one pick in the draft, not the number two pick. Everybody right. wants to trade with the number one guy. You don't well, get as much for the second pick. Speaking of that, which is something that has been kind of talked about in the last two days since the season ended, uh, being a Bears guy, uh, there's a lot of talk that now that they have the number one, that they should package basically Justin Fields for a first round and a third round. And, you know, uh, this way use that first draft pick for – um, and I forget which quarterback, the top quarterback that's on board. And then you'll have another first round pick and a third round pick versus uh, the, the potential. You don't need a quarterback. Justin Fields is a good quarterback. Well, that's in his second year, you're gonna you're gonna get rid of him to bring in another unproven quarterback when six out of the ten quarterbacks always drafted in the first round are busts anyway. Justin Fields right. had a good year with a bad team. It's like right. How about you trade the first pick for like seven draft picks right? because you have your quarterback. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to draft the quarterback first, whether he's the best player or not. So right. you keep Justin Fields. You got the quarterback. Now you go out and you get your defensive help. You get whatever you need because you're going to get yourself for that number one pick, probably two number ones. Or at worst, a number one pick this year and a, and two number Down. twos and a three. Yeah. And you could probably get a good special teams player or a kick returner, you know, defensive guy. You know, you can get good people for yeah. that first pick. And I'm not worried about two draft picks. I'm worried about getting the maximum for that one pick because they're in that perfect situation where they don't need to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, and uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll finish off uh, football talk uh, for those of you who uh, <laughs> tuned in. Tuned in for wrestling. <laughs> uh, we're making we're making analogies through other sports. Exactly. Um, what do you see unfolding in terms of this year's uh, playoffs? Do you think that there's a team? that could be on the cusp of upsetting and basically riding a wave into the Super Bowl and maybe winning. You know, I thought for a long time, the Buffalo Bills, that this was going to be the year. And at this point, man, the Chiefs have really stepped it up. Like, I, I wasn't sold on the Bengals last year, and I'm not sold on the Bengals this year. So I yeah. think it comes down to Kansas City and Buffalo. But – I've seen both fantastic quarterbacks. Man, over the last four, six weeks, they're all throwing bad picks inside the 10-yard line. Like, what are you doing, yeah. Mahomes? What are you, what are you doing, Josh Allen? And, yeah. you know, in the NFC, you know, 
I guess you can't say they're under the radar, the number two seed, but San Francisco has to use the last pick draft. Last guy picked in the draft is playing amazing, but sometimes yeah. that Cinderella story has to end. And I think Philadelphia would, with Jalen Hurts, there's another guy that, oh, we got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. You, you know, yeah. back in the – Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre. You know, yep. these rookie quarterbacks, they're a deer in headlights that first year. You know, they yeah. need to sit. They need to learn. And as good as I think Brock Purdy is and he's played, uh, I would have to go with Philly. You know, I thought Dallas had a shot, but, man, you know, Prescott just throws interception after interception. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I, I should have had a pick six, so let me throw the exact same play again and become a pick six. Like, that was embarrassing, that performance. So, right now, if I had a pick, I'm going to go with Kansas City and Philly. All right. So, there we there we go. Kansas City and Philly, keep your eyes on that. And uh, well, Yeah, so keep, it... keep your eyes on Jacksonville and the Giants. <laughs> Uh, oh, please not Jacksonville. Uh, I don't want any. I I don't want any Tony Khan juice over. Yeah, the yeah. I, I saw a thing on Facebook. It was funny. So, what happens when Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl? Does WWE send a belt to the cons? <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what? They're so bad at doing their own publicity that. They'd be stupid enough instead of having their own AEW belt to allow the WWE's belt to be shown. They had Jericho and the whole JAS essentially on the Kings broadcast last night from LA. And in the corner where it listed Jericho's his resume, it had WWE, it had the lead singer of Fozzie. But there was no graphic about AEW once again for for them. How do you not have a publicity team sitting there and going, what's going on? Is it just, is it that, and I've had experience with them. I know that sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. How would you deal with that as, as an owner or promoter in terms of like, hey, man, we got to start showing our brand uh, in a more yeah. profit sense. Uh, well, we, we actually have had those uh, issues to where, you know, a certain guy gets signed or there's something they're putting over, you know, a Jay Vidal story. And it's like PCW, like he's an FSW guy. I get right. it. He has a PCW belt, but how about the FSW reference? You know, I know he started with Gangrel, but, he got to the level he got because of us. And it was like, hey, where's the FSW reference? Or, or you know, Hammerstone doing an interview with, with SI. Like, hey, what about FSW? You know, I saw, you know, and, and I got, you know, my first opportunity to wrestle out of state was in Vegas. Well, what about FSW in Vegas? Like, why, why couldn't you just throw those three letters in? So, yeah, you anytime you can get that like there's been stuff with cross and in national publications and it's like you know it gives you a little a little warmth like yeah you know they mentioned future stars of wrestling and, and they do on a lot of occasions but i'll be the first one to notice when it ain't there like what the fuck 
<laughs> He's an FSW guy. Well, why can't we get the FSW love on there? I see other people, you know. And again, even even in bad situations, you know, I sort of think Phil Baroni, and he wrestled at Bloodsport, and he did some wrestling, and it was like, well, you know, his first match was in FSW in Vegas, where he trained to learn how to wrestle. You know, in normal circumstances, you probably wouldn't want to take credit for it, but hey, it's 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 a national publication, and it has more people who read it know what Future Stars of Wrestling is. You know, and, and you know, even in those situations. Where they say, "Hey, bad publicity is better than no publicity." Right. It's just saying where he trains. So you're getting the name out, and yeah. anytime you can get the name out, it's a benefit. You know, hey, he trained to wrestle in Las Vegas at. Well, you know, instead of having to go Google and hit Las Vegas wrestling, and then some other things may pop up. Now he knows, hey, um, future stars of wrestling. You know, it's easy. It's in Vegas. All I got to do is type in that thing. And now I'll have a list of 100 things. And they'll be like, oh, shit. He trained Carrion Cross. Oh, Solo Sokoa. Oh, Zoe Stark. Oh, I watch Impact. Oh, Chris Bay. You know, oh, they they, they used LA Knight. And, and Brian Cage were champions there. And, yeah. you know, there's no better way to get publicity than free publicity. Right. Because, you know, I get the bills every month and it ain't a lot, but it's always something, a Facebook ad Joey puts on to get the thing. And it's like for the school that all costs money. You know, yeah. you're talking about thousands of dollars a year. So if you can save that and get that publicity out there without having to spend as much, well, that that increases the profit margins. And when profit margins are tight to begin with, anything that you can do to expand them is a huge positive. So along that theory, um, let's take a guy like Nick Sander. Nick Sander's been out and, uh, you know, in different areas on the West Coast and getting a lot of attention, uh, building a fan base, uh, been fairly aggressive recently. Uh, when someone like that is getting the eyes on him from other areas, how much is that in terms of importance for FSW in seeing a guy like that and then linking it back to FSW because sometimes when the guys do go out, um, you know, even in the smaller settings like that, you don't necessarily hear the letters being mentioned, or maybe they don't have the opportunity to have a microphone, uh, you know, in a situation uh, to, you know, drop FSW or even in a lot of cases with uh, many, you know, indie companies say they don't want any other belts on the shows, right? So, how is it that a wrestler can use their home, uh, you know, home company to not only go out and be seen, but also to get the rub back on that company? Well, it's a lot easier these days because if you're a fan of wrestling and you go to a show, Best of the West, where Nick Xander's had good success. Uh, I think the other one, UGWA, and there's a few up in that California area. Well, it isn't him getting on the microphone and say, hey, I'm a future stars, a wrestling guy. No, it's I'm a fan. I like Nick Xander. Hey, I'm going to send a friend request. Well, when you send a friend request and Nick Xander accepts it because he's always trying to get new fans, just like everybody else, you're going to now see what he's promoting. 
and the majority of shows he works for for one company is FSW. So you're going to see FSW. Oh, shit, he's cutting this promo, this Nick Bugatti guy. And you're going to see where everything started with Clutch into Nick Bugatti into what we're doing at at, at the next show. Other places, it's going to be like, hey, I got a match over here, and I'm wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Right. And because of the fact that people who are involved in storylines, you're now going to see promos. You're going to see the flyer. You're going to see the answer back promo, maybe from the other guy on the page. So that's where it's at. For for us, where, where any of our guys, when they go to California, they go to Arizona, they're going to get to the point where more of the other workers are going to know about FSW. Hey, I'm John Falco. Hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm from Vegas. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, where'd you train? FSW. FSW. Yeah. FSW. So that's why I'm going to get messages from the regulators who are in Arizona. And 90% of the guys who wrestle in Arizona out of the state are from FSW. You go to right. Dom's show. It's all over the place. That's why Vasito's won the tag belts over there. Right. And, you know, look at the guys that were in the tournament that they had. Graves won the tournament. He may be from Arizona, but he's an FSW guy. Class right. was in the tournament. Remy was in the tournament. Koa was in the tournament. All these guys that we use are in the tournament. Well, how did I get reached out to by Class? Well, he was the second generation of the Hammerstone and Graves and the fact that we used Gallo in the past and we know Dom really well. And then Class came in and he was pretty much the only guy. But then Class, that next generation after him is the Blair Brodies and, and the Coas, you know, and the Devin Renos. And now Class is ready to come back. So you, so you got that grouping in there. Then you got some of the guys from outside that may not work for the PCW Arizona. But it's guys that, hey, we're looking for some tag team. We're looking for this. And a Jacob Austin Young's like, hey, you know what? This Dugnificent guy I like a lot. I know he's hit you up, you know, if you got a spot. And I knew EJ Sparks from the past, you know, when we did some stuff in Arizona. And, like, he had never worked for me personally, but he worked the giant taco fest that I put together uh, that had Hammerstone and Willie Mack in the main event. But we – you know, used a lot of Arizona guys and EJ Sparks was one of them. So their tag team's pretty solid. So, you know, we, we've used them and, yeah. and that's the thing. So the locker room, be it from back in the day when it would be the commandos and the Reno scum telling everybody about good things that are happening in Vegas. That's what made everybody reach out to me. Hey, love to work for you. Hey, love to work for you. Love to work for you. You know, I literally get 30, 40, 50 requests a month from people who I don't know who have heard of FSW and want to be a part of it. And again, unfortunately for them, uh, generally we're kind of tight knit. So it's either our guys or guys that we know who are recommending people. So when I need a spot, that's who I'm going to, you know, count on. You know, right. anybody can put together a a, a a 45 second minute highlight reel. 
I've seen a bunch of stuff that looks great, and the guy, the guy or girl was terrible. But you know, yeah. you do a move twenty times; it's not hard to hit it good once if you're, you know, decent enough. You don't have to be great to be able right. to hit a move, and then you put the stuff together. That's why even in the big companies, like yeah, you know, send the highlight reel, but you know, we want to see a full match because right. they want to see the basics. They want to see what you're capable of doing in situations. So, you know, persistency is probably the most important thing. Man, if somebody continually tries hard to get on the show and then all of a sudden you hear a little bit about them, then you're going to go out of the way because there's, there's, there might be a spot here. There might be a spot there. But it was like in New Year's. We needed a spot. Hey, Jordan Cruz, you know somebody because you're driving up on New Year's Eve by yourself from San Diego. So that's where we got Miggy Rose to wrestle, who's been around. You know, I, I wasn't aware of him. You know, did a good enough job. He did what he he did his job, and right. and and now, in my mind, future reference when I need somebody, that now that person who I had never talked to, you know, he friend requested me after the show, so he he had never made an attempt before, but now he got an opportunity, and now. You know, he, he's in that long list of, hey, I need somebody. Hey, Jordan Cruz is coming up. You know, I might have a spot in the pre-show or, or whatever it is. And that's how people earn their spots, you know. And it's working hard. It's doing things. It's getting good recommendations from, you know, top people. Sure. And, and, and you go forward from there. You know, this year, Johnny Robbie few people had mentioned her so it's yeah. like hey she i couldn't tell you if i hit her up or she hit me up and it's possible because through the twitter a lot of people hit you up hey i'm interested in working and then maybe i threw out the name and they're like oh she's really good blah 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 blah, blah. and it became oh okay and then uh we did the show i believe no didn't come up with her he actually uh primo Henio, he came up with uh the ref scarlet from uh yeah. from california california yep and it was i believe against all odds and dom happened to show up also with his crew and primo henio had hit me up and i really didn't know who he was which i later learned that he had a whole different name and character you know just a year ago so he right. just kind of transitioned into that character primo henio and Dom was like, oh, just so you know. And it wasn't, you know, again, Primo Henio's a Santino's guy, which is always high on the list. And then right. Dom was like, you know, I don't vouch for a lot of people outside my company, but this is a good, this is a good dude. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, we got a student, sh we have a future shot coming up. And we also have a show after that. So since I hear good things from you, let me book you for two of the shows. And he was like, oh, okay. And then on the second show, it was like, okay, him and Damian Drake did a good job on, on the first one, which we did at a future shock. And then it was like in talking around, it was like, yeah, we got a new year's show, but you know, I don't expect you anybody to really come up from out of state. Oh, I'd love to work it. Oh, okay. And then, and, and then, then that that's how it was born. And it was like, okay, now we got some ideas of what we're looking to do. Hey, we got a show the 13th. Oh, I could make that too. You know, because people say, even my kid, oh, you know, you got to, uh, 
you know, you got to book these guys, you got to get booked three, four, five months in advance. And it's like, okay, well, I'm booking my shows based on my main guys. So if Hammerstone is my champ, I'm not going to book three shows and then later find out that he can't make three or four shows in a row. I'm going to based on, you know, that schedule. We kind of always know around when we're going. Right. So I, I try to tell my guys like, well, you know, people hit me up for a date in two and a half months. Well, then I say, hey, accept that date tentatively. Say, hey, there might be because I'll generally know which week we might be running. So we might be running the second and fourth week. So if they say the first week, I'm like, OK, don't worry about it. But if they're running the, the second week, I may say, hey, find out their date. Let them know that FSW is your main priority. And I will try to get the date to you as quickly as possible. But don't tell them yes and then cancel on them. But tell them yes right now because it is a while away and they can make adjustments on the card. If you tell them six weeks in advance, you're not making their show. You know, if they give you hassles over, then they're being... Then they're being a fuck, being a bunch of fucking idiots, because I have to understand it just like when Jordan Cruz did it, just like when Marquez decided to run some shows, and I had to get Willie Mack pulled and and L.A. Knight pulled, and all these guys, I had to be understanding of it. So just like that company should be, their main goal, our guys, is to be top guys in my company. So if you're not going to make my show. You're not a priority. Yeah. You know, oh, I gave you the month. I gave you a booking. Had that issue uh, yesterday, actually. And Bodie hit me up and he's like, oh, I got my schedules messed up. I can't make the show on Friday. Like, dude, what the fuck? I told you two months ago, like, we're supposed to be your priority. I got I got things happening that I put you involved in. Right. And whatever it was, and it was like, oh, oh, change of plans. I'll be there. Okay. But in future reference, that's why I give you the dates a month or two in advance. So you should have already right. known that there was a conflict if you took that booking two months ago and you saw me pick the date on a month ago. I shouldn't yeah. know about it three days beforehand. And now Bodie can't go to the high school dance because mean Mr. You know, DeFalco. Hey. It happens. He'll he'll, he'll have another bar mitzvah coming up. Don't worry. You know, it'll be fine. But it's those situations of being aware of what we're doing. And the other thing is, again, people know. Mac Vandegrift knows he's pretty much on every single show he's available to be on. Well, that's not necessarily true for uh, uh, an Andy Delgado or a Brandon G or even a Bodie. So it's like, hey, Joe, I saw you got a show on January 13th, and this is December 6th. I was wondering if you're going to need me on the show because somebody hit me up about a booking. And at that point, I could say, hey, you know what? Right now, I don't really have anything for you. So take that booking. No problem. If I think I have something, then I'm like, well, I think I'm probably going to need you for this, that, and the other thing. And if they say, okay, I'm not going to be like in two weeks. Like, oh, yeah, forget it. You know, uh, I'm not going to use you. And then you just lost out on a booking. You know, just like I try to make sure the situation is taken care of for you, then you need to make sure it's taken care of for me. 
because then why would I go out of my way for you if you can't go out of your way for me? It's it's kind of like, you know, we're trying to do this together. We're trying to put you in situations. You know, it's hard. Hey, we're going to do no escape and Hammerstone's not going to be there uh, because somebody offered Hammerstone more money uh, two weeks ago. Hammerstone's right. not going to pull that because he's a professional. And that's part of being professional, that despite what somebody's offering you, you don't last minute say, oh, by the way, sorry, Joe, which has happened. And I've chosen not to use the person after that. When you tell me the day before, when you've already accepted the booking, oh, somebody else is trying to book me. I'm going to do that one. You know, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. Okay, well, now you're missing out on every opportunity for me. We're the ones who are training you. So right. doing one show there, you weren't their first preference. Somebody canceled last minute and they're hitting you up for a booking and you're now canceling a booking with your company that you are training with. And then right. are not understanding, you're like, well, you know, next time. And they're like, well, why would there be a next time? You could just do it again. You just proven that, that the fact that you were booked you're, you're not, your word didn't mean anything. So why would I worry about it down the line? It was like the same thing in diversion when we did the show and the contracts hadn't been signed yet, but we agreed to the date. You didn't get me the contract. And then it was like, oh, can you move the date? You know, we really want to work with you. Well, fucking move their date. Yeah. So despite the fact that we need a second venue, you know, to be everywhere, you know, it's better for leverage for us to have different opportunities. I will not make that call. Right. Now, if they said, hey, Joe, we really want you back. We'll give you the room for free. Well, I'm, business wise, I'm not going to say no, but I'm going to get that contract signed then because then right. there's a lawsuit. If you're if you cancel the contract because it'll right. be written in there. This is the contract. This is what you get. Right. So, you know, you have to you have to learn and, and get these contracts because. You know, if you break them, they're all over you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and we're in a tougher situation. So if there's two events going on at the Silver Nugget and we can't find our sound guy because he's going over there, well, that was part of the deal. This was how much we're paying and this was, was included. And now the fucking big screens didn't work because we couldn't find the fucking sound guy because he was working the other event because there was a cancellation the day before. So they did one outside and they did ours. How does that help me in any way? Right. That's like yeah. me shorting you $500. The venue's not going to let me come back until I pay that $500. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's extremely tough, even with a contract for us going in there for the venue. doesn't matter. We had that problem at diversion. We had to pay X amount of dollars for the, for the uh, lighting guy. He didn't show up. Right. So the lady who runs the room, who has no fucking clue. Well, my son does lighting for, you know, uh, a show at the Venetian. And it's like, well, unless you're getting your fucking son to do it, you're not going to help me. And she tried to run it. But did she say, hey, Joe, here's your money back for the guy who didn't do the job for us. Right. No, they're worried about their bottom line number. But we in the contract were supposed to get a sound person or a lighting right. person. Like we could have had our own lighting guy there, but we yep. can't touch your equipment because right. it's your equipment. 
but the person I paid for is not there, but I don't get my money back for it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So our only option is fuck you. We're not going back there to do it. But when you don't have that many choices of venues and Samstown doesn't really want to have you there and they really don't want to do anything there, it, right. it, it kind of limits. And it's like now, so Silver Nugget, they were, you know, welcomed enough to allow us to come back, you know, gave us pricing. And, you know, we think we did good business with them. We brought in GCW, who made a lot of money for them and right. had a bunch of shows and stuff like that. But Silver Nugget, not in the greatest location. Right. And we also know people from the north side. They're not or let's just say or the southeast side aren't going all the way to North Las Vegas. You know, there's plenty of people who have to take, you know, buses to get to things. Yeah. And I always knew people who could make it to Samstown couldn't make the Silverton and people who could make it at the Silverton couldn't make it to Samstown just because of the distance. And, hey, it's going to be a two hour bus ride. I'll pass. I'll wait till they go back to Samstown. And that's the idea of having more than one venue because it opens up tons of possibilities for me. You know, right. it's like, well, you, you want to jack us up 500, 750, whatever it is. I'm going to go over here and pay a similar price and maybe the room's a little nicer. But it's also a way of getting that room back. Like I said, right. of course, I'm going to talk to the Silverton. Of course, I'm going to talk to Samstown. I'm going to talk to any venue that's willing to have us. And we've looked at other places. Hey, we can get a better price, but the ceilings are too small, like over at the uh, Tuscany, for example. Sure. And, oh, yeah, we'll get you the room for free, but there's no lighting other than your own overhead lighting. Okay, well, you have to bring in the trust. I know you got to bring in the sound. Oh, here's a guy. He, he does it for us because you can't use your own sound because we're contracted that if we do a show, we have to have their sound come in. Oh, okay, they're going to charge me $2,500 to put in fucking sound for a fucking day. Right. Like, what? And, yeah. and, and, and that's you know, the day-to-day -day dealing with things that people don't understand. It's like, just because there's not a show this week or next week doesn't mean the business is not trying to be done in terms of getting the venues, booking the guys, whatever shows are here, you know, what we're looking to do. Oh, shit, some guy we really need. Just because we're working on certain storyline isn't able to make it. How do we change it? How do we do this? And... And then it's like, okay, well, we have a show tonight or next week and really need this guy on the show, but there really isn't a spot. What do we do? Or, hey, you know, a scout's coming down to watch our show, for example, on Friday. And everything's set up for no escape. So in a realistic situation of just doing shows, there's a good chance that that certain person wouldn't be on the show because he's already scheduled to work on the next one and there's really nothing every, all all the loose ends have been tied up but yeah. because there's a scout around you want one of your guys to be seen because he's done great business for you and he's been loyal and he's been around and you believe he's deserving of it so now right. you have to try to rework things to get certain people on a show that maybe they weren't going to be on a show in a normal situation yeah and then it's putting together okay hey uh, we're looking at the next Mecca. Hey, we're looking in March. Hey, what's a good date? Hey, Chris Bay, Mecca Grand Champion. Hey, how does this date look? 
Well, if he's the Mecca Grand Champion, you kind of want to make sure Chris Bay is available to work that show. Right. And then it's like, hey, we got some ideas, you know, uh, who we want to use on that show. And it's like, hey, is this person available that day? And is that person? And we got opponents for Chris Bay. And it's like, hey, just touching base. Uh, We're looking at doing something on March 26th. Oh, right now that's free. Okay, can you hold it for a little bit? We're going to see what's going on. Because now I could say yes to everything, but now I got to lock in the venue and make sure everything's set there. Right. Yeah. So, And then you want the right people on the show, and you're trying to get the matchups, and you're trying to see – you know, and now you're reaching out and, hey, you know, got to have a women's match at the Mecca. And now I'm reaching out to some of the bigger name independent wrestling women wrestlers. And like all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, you want more money than you did last time. And we haven't seen you on TV at all. And it's yeah. like, but don't think I can afford that. Hey, what about this person? Hey, this one used to be a former champ. You know, she's getting a lot. You know, she's not in NXT anymore. She's doing really well. Hey, and, you know, she's also married to our former grand uh, Mecca Grand Champion. Hey, wouldn't it be cool to have both of them on the show? Hey, are they available? Is Impact running? Well, no, because uh, Taya works for Impact, and so does Bay. If Bay's available, that means Taya at least isn't working Impact. But it's MLW running, which means we wouldn't be able to use John, Hammerstone, Davey, Taya, Juicy, because MLW happened to be running that day. You, you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. you're all over the place trying to, to see because people that you want, you want to at least get a majority of it. You know, obviously there's yeah. always backup plans and things like that, but you know, you want that core group and like against all odds, new Japan strong was running. Uh, from what I understand, we don't have to worry about running against new Japan strong. Yeah. Uh, How about that? Huh? At this point. Yeah. You know, crazy going on. It was uh, all of a sudden I read it and I hit up Limelight and he goes, yeah, they were supposed to do the January show. They canceled. I hit up Jacob Austin Young. You know, supposedly they're going to restructure. Well, restructure might mean three months, six months, nine months. And, you know, the same guys being used. How are they going to utilize it or changing how they they run the company? Are they going to, you know, bring in more of the Japan stars and base it around that and do a week's worth of stuff? Nobody knows, but yeah. now's the opportunity to get the Tom Lawler's world, uh, the the former one percent Royce and Jarrell Bateman. You know, we already got Sharp and uh, and Jacob Austin Young and Tito's hit me up and talking about you know whether Tito into singles or him and Che Cabrera together. Either way, that's you know a yeah. huge upgrade on our already really good roster. To have yeah. Tito and Che as a tag team or have Tito as a guy uh, as a threat for the heavyweight championship. So, yeah. you know, there, there's so much. It's early in January. We, we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of good things. And, and that's also the advantage of working with those guys before they made it and, and had a good relationship with them when they were younger, not really known in the business. So even like when I was talking with like Ryan Taylor uh, about working in the future after, you know, the, the NXT run and and everything he did. And he basically said he had two rates. One rate was for the people who had never booked him before. And then the second rate 
was for people who utilized him in the past. So like a me and a Marquez and Yuma right. and all those guys, when they were booking, we're going to get a better rate. He says, you know, I'm taking a man of his word. You know, I've known Ryan for a while and he's always seemed to be yeah. extremely upfront and honest. I like him tremendously. So, but those are the, that's what you hope for with people that you've worked with that if you treated them well, then on the back end, when they're at a much higher level as cross Hammerstone Bay, you know, thankfully, you know, a Hammerstone and Bay, we can still continually utilize Kenny King, who I've known since 1999, you know, he's always busting balls about the rate, you know, cause he's not getting that ring of honor weekly check anymore. He's not on the bachelorette this month. So, you know, the, the, the rates have to be adjusted because he was able to do better before because he was making that money, you know, and it's like, you know, and these guys are trying to make a living and their going rate is this. And in most cases, the rate for Joe is going to be a little bit less and in some cases a lot of bit less. And that's why we're able to utilize so much talent, you know. Yeah. I had one guy hit me up. Uh, we were doing a Mecca. Name guy we use a lot of times. And it was like, you know, this is usually my rate. But, you know, for you, Joe, you know, I live in Vegas, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'll do it for you for this. And then we had a Mecca. And the Mecca was loaded. And it was like we had ended up getting Austin Aries, you know, on commentary. And he was like, hey, bro, you know, just wanted to ask. You know, I see you using a lot of guys on there. I'm giving you a really good rate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, so is everybody else. I like You wouldn't believe. Like, Aries wanted to come down. He wanted to, you know, commentate. Like, for the rate Austin Aries gave me, I would have him commentate every single show I ever did, even at this, even a future shot. You, you know right. what I mean? Right. And it was like, he's in town. He likes us. We've got along well. We've done business for a while. And, you know when you put the budget together, you know, randomly somebody's going to have the budget. It's going to be this big for yeah. us. It might be this big. So it gives us a better chance to have a, a, we will have a better show, but B we have a better chance to make a decent profit on. It disappeared. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> give me one second here. Um, with, uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, in terms of the rates and trying to figure out, you know, scheduling and everything, has there ever been a situation where you've literally been kind of last minute left in the dark? Well, what do you mean by left in the dark? People have canceled at the last minute, but if somebody's there, have I had somebody try to get more money after they agreed? Of course. Yeah. I've only used them once, but you know, it happened. Some people try to take advantage if they can, but uh, a guy like Hammerstone isn't going to be a guy who's trying to take advantage of me. And then I continually use him for nine years. You know what I mean? So right. got, if you look at our core group of guys that have been around and who've made it, Obviously, those are the guys that aren't that way because I wouldn't use them anymore or they'd price themselves out. It's like, hey, my going rate's 2000 
you helped me get started and all that. And for you, I'll do it for 1950. Well, that, that, that isn't really much of a help. Right. So, again, we talk. And in some cases, there's different levels of things, you know. There's guys we've dealt with that once they've had that initial success, you know, you call it that terrible twos. You know, they're seeing like, wow, they went from here to here making money-wise. I can't work for this for Joe. You know, I, that that's a potential booking because they may not know how much time they have to make that kind of money. Or it's the same guy who leaves WWE and all of a sudden they want three, $5,000 for an event. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, you, you were a low-card guy in WWE. But everybody's going to shoot at a number unless you know them. And that's those situations. So when Matt Hardy couldn't do our IWF tournament show and I needed a guy and I asked him about uh, Drew McIntyre, he called Drew McIntyre for me. So there wasn't the negotiations of, well, I want this and I want to offer this and you kind of meet. It was kind of like, right. hey, this is, the best th this is the best deal I can do for you. And it was kind of like, yeah, I would have tried to get him lower, but it was a tournament. So he had to, he had to wrestle the first match, which was against Tommaso Ciampa, which he won. And then we put him in a four-way elimination match where him and Brian Cage were the final two guys. So I wasn't going to be like, hey, Drew, I know you're going to work for this, but I need you to work two matches for like a total of 40 minutes. Can you do it for this? So I was like, hey, this is the deal. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. He could have came back and said, hey, well, if you're going to have me work twice, I need to get this much more money. But he yeah. was, hey, you know, Joe's a good dude. I've worked with him a lot. Matt Hardy gave me the comeuppance to where it was like, he's a good guy to deal with. He's going to treat you good. You know, any, any, any questions, you just ask him and he'll answer them for you. So Drew McIntyre right. came in. And at that point, who I wasn't the hugest fan of, and I'll be 100% honest, you know, I was sure. like, yeah, they're putting him down the throat. He was in 3MB. Like, to me, that price might have been a little high. But when he came yeah. out, I was like, if I'm starting a national company, that's my fucking first-round draft pick. Like, that dude was the easiest person to deal with. He did a great job. He busted his ass. You know, he did promo before the show. We did something to hopefully set up something down the line uh, with Cage. And he was, you know, one of the best professionals I've dealt with in the business. And working with guys like knowing the. And, hey, this is what we're doing. Hey, what can you do it for? Hey, you're coming in from Cali. Hey, blah, blah, blah. And it's easier to negotiate with someone you're on a, and I wouldn't say friends, I'd say an acquaintance basis, but sure. they're going to deal with me differently than they are, say, another person who's running a show that they've never dealt with. And, right. you know, combining that with 
the relationships we've made, the the connections that we have. You know, we got connections in every major company these right. days. You know, we with the game, you know, you, you got Sean Davari. He moved back to Vegas because he lost his job in WWE, started training with us. Boom. Got by, hired back by yep. WWE. But he's always a guy I could say, hey, man, it would really be cool if you could take a look at this guy. And then now his brother hits me up because his brother now moved to Vegas. Okay. He lives with Sean or what? I, I don't know. But he, there's another guy who hit me up a couple weeks ago. You know, possibly in 2023, he's doing stuff in AEW. Got a lot of free time. And, you know, in Impact, we've had that long-term relationship. But then we had D'Lo running the talent relations for a long time. He right. was in there. You know, in AEW, initially, I hit up Matt Hardy about trying to get some of our guys look-sees. You know, and he gave me the information on, you know, at the time, Cutie Marshall was the guy who kind of booked right. that stuff. So at least I was able to get information and I'm able to get things for the guys that other promoters don't get, which also buys into the fact that, Hey, Joe will go out of his way and he'll, he'll get us names. He'll get us numbers. He'll get us emails. You know, he, he wants to see us succeed. So if we could save him a few bucks and, as I said, there's a lot of guys that I've never talked rates with. It's just like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. You know, they may say, hey, what can you do for this show? And then I'll throw them a number, which is probably yeah. lower than any number they're generally working for. But if we've trained them or if we've worked with them for 10 years, you know, they're going to be willing to do that because they also know they're going to get really good matches. They're going to they're going to get to perform in the big shows in front of a good crowd and, you know. And for the out-of-state guys, like a limelight, he loves Vegas. So, hey, he gets to come to Vegas, he gets to wrestle, he gets to make a few bucks. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, but he's also awesome. So he's great on the microphone. And that's right. a guy that for a while with so much going on, we weren't able to, you know, get him for, for dates because he right. was booked up. But then he made it his priority to – you know, try to work around it so he can get to more FSW shows and the easier or quicker I can get him dates, the the quicker he can accept them and right. say, hey, like it against all odds. Hey, I can't do it. We got, you know, New Japan that day. OK, yeah. do me a favor. Start getting me future dates, which he did for like December and then January. They were supposed to run the 15th. So right. that would have eliminated the date because somebody was running here Saturday. So it was kind of a Friday or Sunday thing. And then all of a sudden it was New Japan was running the Sunday. So it's like, okay, let's go to the Friday. Okay, Hammerstone's good. Sharp's good. Jacob Austin Young's good. They wouldn't have been good for, for, for the Sunday. So I wouldn't right. have been able to use Jake again or Sharp again or Limelight again. And so doing all that because you got people in place and, and you know people – you don't have to like go to the internet and say, okay, when's their next date? Because sometimes people don't announce it a month or two in advance. So we have so many people in place for so many different things that, you know, it makes things a lot easier for us. And plus as a company, it helps us when we're dealing with talent because there's more to offer working an FSW show than just whatever you're getting paid. Right. Right. 
they feel there's more value, whether it's getting seen on fight network, whatever, you know, Twitter, they're going to get a few more eyes on them that can maybe hopefully benefit them down the line. Yeah. Uh, as we kind of get close to wrapping up here uh, again, uh, everyone just remember new year's resolution is this Friday the 13th at 7 PM at the FSW arena tickets available now. And, uh, if you can't get down here, uh, FSW network, six ninety nine a month, and you can catch the show there. Uh, but, um, you know, on raw this uh, past Monday, we saw the new look of Dominic Mysterio. Is there any truth to the rumor that, you're going to be having Dominic in FSW to uh, team with the Suavecitos so Dominic gets a little seasoning and they show well, him the ropes? Well, first off, he'd have to be released by WWE. And if his last name was Gomez and he was Ricky's brother, then it might be a good possibility. But when his last name is Mysterio, uh, that isn't happening. Uh, the rumor I heard was when Dominic and Ray came to train at the FSW facility uh, a few months back, uh, Dominic ran into the Suavecitos. And uh, that's, that, that's when, in his mind, the gimmick was born. Now, I can't confirm or deny it, but, you know, it's what I heard. If I'm not mistaken, you know, speaking of Jordan Cruz and training at B-Boy's place, I believe it was Who was talking Cruz. about Jordan Cruz? No, what 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 I was about Jordan Cruz, like we were just talking about him. No, but B Boy actually was the one who trained Dominic when he was uh, getting prepared for that first match. Oh no, I, I yeah, I'm definitely yeah. aware of that. Yeah, so I mean, so you trying hey, to say B Boy's gimmick wasn't stolen from the Suavecitos? Is that what you're trying to say? The Suavecitos have been living that gimmick since the day they were born, brother. <laughs> Uh, what I want to see, I want to see little, uh, little Suavecito, uh, baby pictures. I want to see them dressed, uh, you know, when they were babies in, in the riding on uh, their bicycles with Adrian Quest, <laughs> with Uncle Adrian. That, that, would, that would make an excellent cartoon right there. I, I'd love to see the uh, FSW network do a Suavecito's uh, cartoon show. I just want to have them do an interview and find out how Danny got the last name Rose. Is it, is it short for something like Rosacito or? I, I hope so, you know, because, you know, I would think when he's, you know, walking in the barrio with a name like Rose, he might get picked on, you know. Oh, man. Uh, Joe, any final thoughts for the uh, listeners before we uh, say goodbye? Do I have any what? Uh, final thoughts for the listeners before we say goodbye. Uh, no, we, you know, we got two big shows coming up. I'd really like to see a great turnout this Friday night. It's it's not every show, Seasons Beatings, was, was similar that we have you know, a casino level show at the school, which means yep. the prices are cheaper. And because the overhead is obviously much lower in our own arena. And it's your chance to see, you know, your favorite people, you know, some, you know, we're lucky enough to have the MLW heavyweight champion there and be a major part of what we're doing. 
but just looking at the talent that we have and, and, and guys that you may see and girls at a different, you know, at another level, like Maserati, you know, is back full time. You know, she was so busy between the ring of honor, AEW looking like she was going to get signed at ring of honor until they folded, unfortunately. So again, there, the, the talent levels through the roof. You're not going to, you're not going to go to an independent wrestling show that has as much talent as we have on it. So, you know, I know people, they love to go on Facebook and brag about how they saw Karrion Cross's first match. They saw Solo Sokoa's first match. They saw Chris Bay's first match. You know, there's not many wrestling schools that have promotions that are able to say, wow, you know, look how many people had some of their first matches and their breakthrough matches all in one company. Yeah. You know, it, it's a great opportunity ring in 2023. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, between the tag champs, you know, hero and uh Shogun, you know, they've really broke out as yep. a team this past year and Hammerstone and the faction and the mainstays that have been around and Vandergriff and, you know, we, we are truly blessed because as a wrestling fan, you know, I like wrestling. I love wrestling. And if I have to put on a match with a bunch of shitty matches, I probably would have retired long ago. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to have good matches and sometimes future shocks can be frustrating because you got younger kids and you're giving them the opportunity. But if I ran every show and it was future shock because we didn't have that talent, I don't know how long I'd be able to do it. Yeah. So it's like, take advantage. You know, you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know how long some of our guys are going to be there. Some of your favorites, you know, look at Jay Vidal, you know, he's a guy uh, he went back to Florida because he felt that was the best opportunity. He got look sees at impact and now he's at their home base. So yeah. would he have been signed if he still lived in Vegas? I, I don't know. Maybe would they use him? Probably. Would he get signed? I'm not so sure because now he's out of their base and now they don't have to worry about flights and all the other stuff. So, but Jay Vidal is a guy that you don't see in FSW right now. Uh, because he had to make a choice and that yep. was moving away. So, and now he got signed to impact. It took a little while, but there's another guy who, you know, will be on the wall of fame, you know, coming up soon. And, you know, hopefully we'll have a ceremony for him where he could yep. come in and, and, and do that. So, you know, w- we love seeing that people are like, Oh, that wall. Right, Hammerstone has a spot on there that we held off on. Kenny King has a spot because he's, you know, he's a true legend of Vegas wrestling. You know, I know him since 1999, I believe. So, you know, we may, maybe when we do the Jay Vidal ceremony, we'll do that. We even have a, a Brian Cage ready to go. Here's a guy who nobody knew in 2009, and he worked with us for years. Had one of the biggest shows in FSW history, beating Matt Hardy in a TLC match at Samstown that drew almost a thousand people. Legit, not not the five hundred and sixty, and we're going to say there's nine hundred people. Now there, there, there was over nine hundred people there. 
and and Brian, you know, his success coincided with being at FSW all the time. And right. being that he's a local, we were still able to utilize him now. But look how many years it took for him to, to break out as a superstar. Uh, and Eli Drake, who's now L.A. Knight, you know. So the, the the future is really at Future Stars of Wrestling. And, you know, I make it a point to make sure anybody who's coming up the ranks who might have a bright future you know, I'm trying to be that first person to notice yeah. people. You know, I, I noticed Hammerstone before anybody else did that this guy had the potential if he continued to work the way he did. And he far exceeded that. You right. know, he's a guy. He re-signed with MLW a year or so ago. But if he was a free agent, you know, you've even seen it. Guys like Cody Rhodes and people – we're putting him over. And yep. here was a guy signed to a different company. It was the same thing yep. with Sefa when Cody Rose was talking about the open challenge. So somebody has to know who FSW is because the majority of Sefa's matches were in FSW. Right. And the same thing for Hammerstone. Or Chris Bay, who's been, you know, was mentioned a million times. Well, right. obviously we are on their radar. So, you know. Hopefully that leads to, you know, a few more people, yeah. uh, you know, getting major contracts and then hopefully doing Joe some good favors. Down there. And there you go, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. And uh, again, uh, you can catch the FSW network for six ninety nine a month uh, and see some of the uh, people Joe was just talking about in the catalog. And, uh, no Escape is uh, Sunday the 29th, 5 p.m. at the Silver Nugget. And uh, this Friday the 13th, New Year's Resolution at the FSW Arena at 7 p.m. Until then, everyone, take care, and we'll see you guys next week.